podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. What's in my hands, Tony, is something that I created decades ago. What's in my hands is something that basically is my full body of work. What's in my hands was created with my blood, my sweat, my tears. What's in my hands is the FTW World Championship. So, this is a championship that no promotion has ever recognized, but wrestling fans worldwide, Tony, Wrestling fans worldwide, they recognize the respect for the man who holds this championship. Because the man who holds this championship is the baddest son of a bitch in wrestling. And that man is no longer uncrowned. And that man is not going to go into fight for the fallen without a championship because that man is the machine, Brian Cage. Brian Cage, you are no longer uncrowned, my man. You are the FTW champion. Wow. Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone, what you're looking at here with the FTW championship is some renegade shit, brother. That's what that is. That's some renegade shit. And who better? Who better than the machine Brian Cage to go with the fight for the fallen with some momentum? Hey, Mox, your ass is done, buddy. Who better than the machine? It's a brand new episode of the Elita Cinema Geekly's AEW podcast. It's Anthony Lewis and Nick Montez, and we're back to talk more AEW Fighter Fest week two on TNT. And uh, dude, they wasted no time going into this show. Uh, they started out right away, private party challenging Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page for the AEW Tag Team Championship. 
And uh, this one started with a lot of friendly back and forth, uh, some exchanges and whatnot, until Private Party hit Silly String on Kenny, and then uh, the fight sort of got out of control a little bit at that point, spilled to the outside. Isaiah Cassidy does this crazy dive to the outside, um, that up and over middle rope springboard dive. Uh, that was pretty crazy. Uh, the champions quickly regained control, though. Uh, Kenny Omega is working over Isaiah Cassidy for a little bit. Then Isaiah cuts him off with that sling blade into the backbreaker he's doing, uh, which is pretty cool. That does not last long, though, and the champions quickly regain control. And it seems like the story of the match is that Private Party have a lot of heart and ability, but they cannot overcome the champion's experience advantage. Uh Hangman goes for the buckshot lariat and they do this. Uh, Isaiah Cassidy does this great counter where he essentially makes Hangman Page do the silly string and sort of, you know, tosses him back over the top rope. Uh, that created an opening for Private Party. Mark Quinn hits Page with a shooting star press off of the top rope, gets a two. They go for gin and juice, but it is broken up. Uh, with a Liger bomb off of the middle rope and a V-trigger, and uh, the champions hit the drunken trigger to retain the championships. What did you think of the opener, sir? And it was uh, it was solid, but it was a little bit shorter than I would have liked to, uh, to have been for a title match. Um, I, uh, I think they did some crazy stuff in here, private parties showing that they're just amazingly talented in this. Um, that second rope, stuff that Cassidy was doing was just really impressive. The double Spanish fly, um, that buckshot counter was impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, they do really cool stuff, but I wanted a little bit more meat on this one. I ended up giving it about three and a quarter star. I liked Mm -hmm. it a lot. It was very entertaining. Um, I also just wanted to bring uh, attention to Hangman's header this week. Oh, I didn't Uh, read it. It said 2020 slow motion apocalypse cowboy. (laughs) Holy shit, is 2020 ever slow motion? <laughs> um, dude, I agree with you 100%, actually. I thought this match was good, and I also thought it was a little short. They squeezed in quite a bit, uh, but I enjoyed it, though. I also went three and a quarter stars. Grapple, though, 3.45. They liked it a little bit more than we did. Almost three and a half is how much mm-hmm. they liked it. Uh, up next, Joey Janela and Lance Archer. So Lance Archer comes out with Sonny Kiss already pre-dead on his shoulders. And uh, this starts with Joey. Is This kind of fires Joey up a little bit. So he's firing into Lance Archer right away, pulls out some plunder. Archer cuts him off and beats him down for a while through a commercial break. After the break, Joey tries to make a comeback, but it does no good. He goes for the blackout on Joey, but he counters it, manages to get a near fall out of it. Uh, Jake then Jake Roberts tries to get into the ring and tries to just uh, and ultimately distracts the referee and it hurts Lance Archer because Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss take advantage of this by hitting a senton off of the top rope and a 450 a great looking 450 by the way from Sonny Kiss and yes. uh, that gets a two count uh, for Joey Janela uh, but uh, this this comeback for Joey was short lived as. Archer then grabs him, gives him the blackout off of the ring apron to the outside through a table, tosses Joey Janela's corpse back into the ring, and pins him. What did you think? It was definitely a you know solid. Uh, it wasn't so much a jobber match because Janela definitely got some offense in there, but yeah. we you know you knew what the result was going to be. Yes, um, 
I thought Jake the Snake Roberts had that sweet blue tracksuit going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't bring out the snake. I'm like, why even tease it if you're not going to do anything with it? You ever wonder what's uh, in the bag when they don't pull out a snake? Because it's clearly not a snake. Like, they wouldn't go to all right. the trouble. So I wonder what they stuff in there. A bunch of T-shirts, probably. I don't know. Probably. I was going to say, back in the 80s, I bet it was bags of cocaine. But now, I'm sure, it's just T-shirts. Bags of DDP yoga DVDs now. (laughs) (laughs) Overstocked DDP yoga DVDs. Yes. I did did mark out for Janela countering the blackout. That surprised me. I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then uh, him taking the blackout through the table was awesome. So it had a great ending. um, But I went two and three quarter stars for this one. Oh, man, we are so simpatico this week. Uh, I thought the same, and I thought this was maybe a little bit more than a competitive squash, and, you know, I'm glad they gave Joey some stuff in here. Um, It's clear for right now they're going to be focusing on him and Sonny as a team rather than Joey as a singles. I also gave this match precisely two and three-quarters stars, Nick. Um, Grapple, on the other hand, went 2.91, so balancing right in between the both of us right there. Uh, what do we get after this? Uh, oh, Darby Allen. We get this week and what Darby's doing because he can't wrestle. This week, Jar- uh, Darby Allen jumped off. Uh, <laughs> I wrote, Darby jumped into a foam pit from high up. Yep, off a cherry picker, it looked like. <laughs> yes, he just did a coffin drop. I mean, it was a long way. Like, he's nuts. Yeah. But. I'd be- I'd be scared to death to do that, but I also at the same time was like, if I did it backwards like that, it might be more fun because I wouldn't be looking at the ground. Yes. <laughs> um, after that, Taz comes out with Brian Cage, says that Cage was supposed to be wrestling John Moxley this week for the AEW Championship, and that's happening next week. And when he does, he is going to be the champion. Uh, but he should be a champion right now already. And he's brought something with him. That is basically Taz's entire body of work. He's poured his his blood, his sweat, and his tears, that old catchphrase. He's poured all of it into what he's brought here today. And he reaches into this bag, and he pulls out the FTW Championship, says that he has brought it to AEW, says this is not a championship that has been recognized by any wrestling promotion, but it is recognized by the fans as belonging to the baddest son of a bitch in wrestling. Um, and that man is Brian Cage. He awards the FTW championship to Brian Cage. FTW, of course, never more apropos than it is in the year 2020, stands for Fuck the World. Uh, and indeed, there is more. There is no more suitable championship to be presented to anybody uh, than the FTW mm-hmm. championship in the year two in the year 2020. Because I think literally, fuck the world, like. Uh, Right. In, in so many ways, just just fuck the world. But uh, I, that was pretty cool. And I like, so people were questioning, I think, why this happened. And it's part of the good heel shtick. John Moxley thinks of himself as the toughest son of a bitch in wrestling. And Taz is like, no, the toughest son of a bitch in wrestling has this championship. And I'm giving it to Brian Cage. He's the toughest. It's like a mind games thing with Moxley. And he's giving him a belt that he didn't win or earn. Like, I think it's good heel stuff. And it's good nostalgia, too, because if anybody remembers Taz's run in ECW being the FTW champion, like, it's, I think this covered a lot of bases, and I really liked it. What did you think? 
I liked it a lot too. I thought it's it's a great echo from what happened in ECW, where you know basically Shane Douglas was injured slash ducking Taz, so he created his own world title, basically made himself the interim world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, my one thing, because I do think everything they said, the whole promo and everything was great. The one thing I would have done was had Cage defend the title on the show, just to be like, well, since we're not getting a world title match, I'll defend the real world title, and. I think that would have been something nice to tide us over and just show yeah. show off why he's a badass, why he has the title. It could have been a quick squash. It could have been anything. I just wish that would have been added on. But beyond that, it was excellent. Uh, and uh, on top of that, Taz got both of the shits for the night uh, in this promo yeah. by saying renegade shit twice. <laughs> so there is that. Uh, this is some real renegade shit, brother. Uh, just pissed backstage. <laughs> yes. Pentagon Jr., Ray Phoenix, the Butcher and the Blade taking on FTR and the Young Bucks in an eight man tag. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth early between the Lucha Brothers and FTR. And uh, also the F, uh, also the FTR, also FTR and uh, the Young Bucks uh, operate well as a tandem. And uh, the Lucha Bros and Butcher and the Blade are less crisp in their uh, quadruple teamings. Uh, Nick and Phoenix, uh, Nick Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix do this crazy Hurricane Rana spot off of the top rope. Uh, the match breaks down at, in, at this point, uh, heading into a break. And after the break, things are a little bit under control. Matt Jackson comes in. He runs wild. Uh, then we get like shades of the old revival DIY feud in NXT, where we've got members of each rival team teaming with each other to do tandem moves. So we've got Dax Harwood and Matt Jackson hitting a double team super kick. We've got uh cash wheeler, and Nick Jackson hitting the good night express. We've got uh, Dax and Nick hitting a spike pile driver and that led to a pin, but it was broken up. Um, then there's a quadruple team by the baby faces uh, and that pin gets broken up as well. Uh, and then I just wrote Nick Canadian destroyer, but make it a dive. <laughs> yes. Cause that's what happened here. Uh, with Nick Jackson was standing on the middle rope, uh, hovering above the apron and Ray Phoenix leapt off of the back of his brother and gave Nick Jackson a Canadian destroyer, but to the outside and then on to people. <laughs> what the fuck was that? That was insane. Um, innovation. <laughs> that was just ludicrous. And when they get back into the ring, Matt goes to uh, hit one more super kick, but uh, I believe it is Pentagon Jr. who moves out of the way, and he accidentally super kicks Dax, his partner, instead. And the Lucha Brothers hit this wacky pile driver looking thing on on uh, Matt Jackson to get the win. What did you think of the eight man tag? Ooh, this was a uh, match of the show, in my opinion. This. Mm-hmm. Some this was some good shit, pal. I'll tell you right now. Um, I, I did make mention here of Jr. mentioning that the blade was wearing Pulp Fiction gimp tights. Oh point. my god, yes. Uh, Tony Schiavone was the one who actually remembered that it was the gimp. He's right. like, it's that yeah. scene from the end of Pulp Fiction. And he's like, yeah, the gimp. And he's like, oh, you're a big gimp fan, huh? <laughs> that even popped Excalibur. He was laughing as well. 
That made me laugh. Um, I, I love the spot with Phoenix and uh, Matt, or I'm sorry, Nick, uh, in the corner, basically trying to one-up each other, climbing the ropes, and then doing their move. That was really cool. Yes. Um, I love all the tandem work in this match. It was just like a great tag team clinic going on in there. Um, that Canadian destroyer, I've onto all the participants of the match was sick. That was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just goes to show you got some talented people in there. You know, I, I like I can't wait for some of these singles matches to see FTR go up against the Butcher and the Blade, or even you know Lucha Bros. Like they literally have so many teams that they've never worked with, and it's going to be insane once we get some of these singles matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up giving this one four stars. I loved it. I think that this is just an excellent tag team clinic. This is this kind of reminds me of something that you might see in uh, Wrestling Gorilla, like one of their crazy eight-man tag team matches. Yeah. I thought this was my match of the show, too. I thought this was exceptionally good. Um, there were a couple things that hurt it for me a little bit. There was uh, some tandem stuff between the heel team that didn't quite look so good. And then there was... Uh, a big moment after the quadruple team from FTR and the Bucks that was supposed to be broken up by Ray Phoenix, but he was a little late to the party. And uh, I think Rick Knox had to basically stop his three count because Ray Phoenix would not have been able to reach them in time to break it up. So there were a couple of messy things in there that prevented me from going four, but I did go three and three quarters. Uh, I thought it was a really good match and definitely match of the show. And, uh, that did not stop the people of Grapple, who gave this a 4.21, almost four and a quarter. Uh, up next, uh, Big Swole is showing up to the arena apparently very late. Uh, <laughs> did you see any of this stuff on Twitter uh, or anything like that after the fact? Because uh, Big Swole got into this argument with Tony Khan on Twitter about her suspension. And oh. in the comments, Chuck Taylor appeared and was like, also tell her that roll call is at 2 p.m. What is she doing showing up at 9? That was awesome. awesome. Uh, But Big Swole shows up to the arena where she is greeted by Alex Marvez and some other AEW employee, where she is being told that she is being suspended for kidnapping Britt Baker. (laughs) Only in professional wrestling. And Big Swole is very upset. And she appears to leave, but it is not the last time we would see her. Uh, then we get Nyla Rose versus Kylan King and Kenzie Page in a two-on-one handicap match, and it is a complete squash. Nyla destroys them and wins with the Beast Bomb. Um, and post-match, she says that she has hired a manager to help her defeat Hikaru Shida and win the AEW Women's Championship, but she did not say who it would be just yet. Uh, what did you think of the match? My notes literally say, this is going to be a squash. And then I wrote, it was a squash. <laughs> yes. I gave it one and a half for its, uh, it's fairly well done execution of moves. Hey, we're right on. I was one and a half as well. Awesome. Uh, what do you think of Nyla getting a manager? I think it could be good. Although I kind of like Nyla. I mean, she's not the most polished speaker yet, but still she's <laughs> talking about breaking bitches and stuff. I right. Yeah. Uh, gra- but, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it could add something to her, though, just because I do feel like there is something missing to the package there. So, I don't know, maybe someone that can be her coach and teach her more devious things to do. You know, you could work that in there. I don't sure. know. It could be fun. Um, Grapple went 1.42. Uh, 
So, okay. yeah, we're right there. It's all good. Uh, we go backstage where Colt Cabana is being looked at by the physician. He has an obscene hemato- uh, hematoma with just like sickening amounts of bruising on his body, which I, I learned later was in fact legitimate. I don't know how this happened, but he has it. And uh, the doctor did, did clear him for competition. And Mr. Brody comes in and says that he is, if he is with the Dark Order, things like this will never happen to him. And sort of maybe implies that maybe they were responsible. Mm-hmm. It's the way that he sort of said, like, accidents like this will never happen again. And it's like, I like how they're weaving this in here. Like, they attack Colt. He doesn't know he's, they, they're the ones who attacked him. And he's like, you know, if you join us, things like that won't happen. A self-fulfilling prophecy, as it were. Um, just trying to sweep Colt Cabana into the under the wing of the Dark Order. Um, then we get the Dark Order and Colt Cabana versus SCU. Colt uh, actually referred to Brody as Mister Brody as well. So, hmm. Uh, <laughs> also, did you see the the video of Uno giving Colt Cabana a T shirt, a Dark Order T shirt? Did you see this video? No, I didn't. Oh my god, it's amazing, and it plays into the story. Uh, he's like, look, we, we got you your own as a gift, a Colt Cabana Dark Order t-shirt. And he's like, look, it says right there, Colt Cabana. And Colt's just, you know, mesmerized. He's like, wow. He's like, thank you guys so much. And then when you see the shirt, it says Doom oh. Doom Colt Cabana. Right, with the U, it's like yes. U is kind of missing the top. I did see the t-shirt. I didn't yeah. see the promo, though. And I love that it's Doom Doom Colt <laughs> Cabana. God, that's awesome. Anyway, uh, and even on Twitter, yeah, he was showing the shirt on Twitter and he's like, see, it says Colt Cabana. (laughs) And somebody's like, sir, that's not what it says. And he's like posted this, like, I'm confused gif. Um, I, I think it's, they're having a lot of fun with this. And I like this. I like the story they're doing. Um, SCU is using their, uh, their vast tag team experience to hold the advantage early on. Uh, Colt eventually gets in though and is doing well for a minute but loses control and as such the rest of the Dark Order get in to sort of break the, break things down. There's fighting everywhere and uh, some underhanded tactics from the Dark Order essentially give them the advantage and it gives Colt the uh, control back. So even when Colt looks like he's losing it they are doing their best to like boost his confidence because they want him to join Dark Order. Mm-hmm. Um he maintains control through a break. When they get back, Frankie Kazarian gets in. He runs wild on Brody, but it does not last particularly long. Then Christopher Daniels gets in. He runs wild, hits a moonsault for a two. That didn't last for very long, though, as Mr. Brody hits his discus lariat and then forces Stu Grayson to tag in Colt Cabana to get the pinfall victory as Dark Order wins. And Colt Cabana is very happy to keep winning matches. Uh, what did you think of the six man? I thought it was great, and I I will say once again, I love the story that they're playing here with Colt Cabana. Um, I think Stu Grayson really shined in this match. He showed off his wrestling chops and did Mm -hmm. an excellent job. Um, I I also like Brody trying to control Colt, not allowing him to interact with SCU at the start of the match. Um, I would say the action was great, but the story is what really gave me a higher rating for this one. I gave it three stars, Mm -hmm. and I, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I came close. Uh, I thought this was I thought this was bordering on on that good territory. 
Um, it was a little more focused on story than it was on the high match quality. I wonder what happened to Christopher Daniels because he went for the BME but couldn't make that spring to the top. And maybe this is one of those things where they're teasing the he's getting too old for this shit thing, but he was not able to spring to the top. Instead, he had to walk it up uh, and hit it. And Excalibur did not call it the BME at that point. He just called it a moonsault press. Um, Because, you know, Excalibur's a pro. He's on top of his game. If that's not what it is, then that's not what I'm calling it. Um, (laughs) But... Yeah, uh, they also noted in this match that Scorpio Sky is going to be uh, a focused singles competitor, whereas Frankie and CD are going to be the tag team uh, for the time being. So there is there is all of that. And I do like where the story is going, but I went two and three quarter stars. So we're close. We're just not uh, perfectly synced up. And Grapple went 2.7. Okay, right on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really feel with how many tag teams they're putting together right now, they could totally have a second set of tag team titles and make it work and make it believable. Or, God, I hope we get a six-man tag team title at this point because it doesn't even feel like it'd be forced. There's just so many guys out there that it makes sense. So many great tandems and stuff, or, or tandems like two. What's a, what's three? I, I don't want to say Trios. A what? Trios. A trios. A triforce, if you will. Uh, yes uh announced for next week we've got cody defending the tnt championship against sunny kiss this will be at fight for the fallen by the way another themed show uh also we're gonna get ftr versus the lucha brothers which i am looking forward to hell yes the elite versus jurassic express which should also be really good and then big swole breaks in and tries i guess to try to kidnap brit again and I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if it's uh, Rebel or who is it Rebel? Yeah, I don't know if it's yeah, Rebel right. or or the other guy, but they're waving palms uh, to keep Brit cooled down. And I had to note that Big Swole says, "Get these palms away from me! I ain't Jesus." Uh, <laughs> yes. Really cracked me up. And uh, she like scared Rebel or shoved Rebel, and Rebel's arm went flying back into Brit. And they are now saying that Brit has also suffered a broken nose again. So uh, the 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 fighting between Big Swole and Britt Baker continues. Uh, that leads into the main event. Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. Orange Cassidy got some WCW Saturday Night theme music to come out to here. I don't know what is going on here, but he did not come out to the Best Friends theme. But he also came out to... Not what I would imagine Orange Cassidy theme music to be, but what did he come out to on the indies? Do, do you remember? He used to come out uh, to Jane by uh, Jefferson Starship. Oh, that really? Music that he used for Wet Hot American Summer. That yeah, was yeah, his yeah. theme song. And I honestly wish they would license it because it's perfect for him seeing him roll into that song. <laughs> um, so it's all Orange Cassidy early on. It uh, goes for a satellite DDT, but Jericho counters it into the walls, but Orange Cassidy gets to the ropes. Um, Jericho starts working over his back. Cassidy makes this comeback with several pinning attempts, but is cut off again. And Jericho maintains control through a commercial break. Um, after the break, there's a long beatdown on Orange Cassidy, who's just trying to make a comeback. Eventually, creates some space, fakes him out with the, the shin super kicks, but then actually when he backs up, comes at him full force with a, a full contact super kick and gets a two count. I thought that was great. Yes. Um, he goes up top 
and doesn't do the normal the the sloth splash that he normally does he leapt a little bit so i dubbed it the three star sloth splash uh he didn't put in all of the effort that he could have but he put in more than normal and that gets it too uh he also hits this springboard like a mariposa to the outside uh that was really nice looking uh diving ddt off of the top rope gets a two on jericho uh, Jericho puts him into the walls again, but gets countered out of it. Uh, on the outside, I believe Santana and Ortiz throw orange juice into Orange Cassidy's face, which sounds actually very refreshing right now. I'm thirsty, so uh, that <laughs> might be that might be my plans after the podcast. But uh, this sends bre- uh, best friends out to even the odds. Uh, but while the referee is distracted, Jericho hits uh, Orange Cassidy with a bat, hits him with a code breaker. He still kicks out, though. Uh, as the announcers are putting him over for his grit, his toughness and whatnot. Jericho goes for the lion salt, but misses. Orange Cassidy hits him with a Michinoku driver for a two. Uh, hits him with a stun dog millionaire. Hits him with a satellite DDT. Gets another two. And try, he winds up, tries going for a Superman punch, but eats the Judas effect. And Jericho gets the pin. What did you think of the main event? Man, it it was awesome. And And what I loved about this match was it all still fits in with his character. Like he is basically a big goof a lot of the time, but when it's time to get serious and things get personal, you know, Mm -hmm. it didn't feel out of character. Everything he did in this match, he even that, that fake out with the shin kicks into the real super kick that popped me hard. I I love that. That That was was like, Whoa. (laughs) wonder if that's the first time he's done that. Cause that's the first time I remember seeing something like that from him. Uh, And I thought that was brilliant. I think so. I, I, I can't remember another time where he's done that. This has been his most serious match since the one he had with Pac. So just, I love seeing him actually be a wrestler and seeing him take things seriously and showing that he can go out there and, you know, tie it up with the best. Like, he looked like he belonged in there with Chris Jericho. Yeah. Um, ended up giving this one three and three-quarter stars. I thought it was fantastic and uh, made... Uh, it, it really broke in uh, Orange Cassidy. Like, he could be a main eventer at some point. He looks like he belongs. Yeah. Uh, I really love the match, too. Um, and I, I was actually surprised how much I liked it because it did feature one of the things I hate the most, which is a very extended beatdown, like an extended heat segment for Jericho, uh, where he just beat on Orange Cassidy forever. But uh, they made it work, and the comebacks were all really good. And... Uh, all of the all of the cleverness they did with Orange Cassidy's gimmick in here was all. I just enjoyed it. Uh, I thought this was a really good match. Second second best match on the on the show for me, and yes. I gave it a three and a half. Uh, grapple three point eight seven. So they agreed with you and then some, sir. But <laughs> overall, a really good episode of AEW on TNT. Both nights of Fighter Fest, I thought, were were really good. I think the second night was actually a little bit better than the first. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. But holy crap, just a, a couple of great weeks uh, of wrestling there. And it looks like more to come with uh, the Fight for the Fallen theme show um, next week as well. And I believe fans will be given an opportunity if uh, they're able to um, to donate to COVID release, uh, relief uh, funds and whatnot as well. So uh that's uh, one of the things they do, or I, I guess are planning on doing with Fight for the Fallen every year, uh, is using it as a charitable event to try to raise money for good causes. So 
that sounds awesome. And uh, the card sounds really good for next week, too. So uh, join us, won't you? And in the meantime, head over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe, and that way you can come back next time and hear us talk about more AEW Dynamite on TNT. The Fight for the Fallen-themed episode featuring John Moxley defending the AEW World Championship against the FTW champion, Brian Cage. Just another victim.